Okay, you're listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White. And today I have a very special guest. I'm very privileged to introduce Fiona Cosgrove, Managing Director, CEO of Wellness Coaching Australia. Fiona, thank you so much for making time to have a chat today. You're more than welcome, Mel. You know how I love having a chat with you. Uh, Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this topic because it's a hot topic right now, just talking about health and wellness coaches and what we do and how we're different from everyone else. And a lot of people seem to be really stuck on it. And I know we've talked a bit about this recently. So I've got a few questions I'd like to ask, if that's okay, just so we can help other people or coaches listening to this really get clear on who they are, what they do and how to distinguish themselves. Sure, absolutely. Well, I'll do my very best to answer them. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, let's start with that distinguishing piece. How would you say a health and wellness coach could distinguish themselves from a psychologist or a counsellor or a therapist or one of those sorts of professions? Sure. And it's something that we get asked so frequently. And I know students and, you know, people for me too have often um, said, so you know, what are you doing? Are you a psychologist? And I said, well, no. So this is a little bit lengthy, but I think hopefully people can pull some bits out of it. So if I was talking about those, those categories of people, I would probably say that these people or these professionals work mainly on past issues. So it's about how the past influences the present. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they're working towards resolution of a past situation or an experience, and it may be trauma. And they're actually trained to work with many different situations. However, they're not trained in health information, unless, Mm. of course, it's mental disorders, but they're not trained in lifestyle-related behaviours. So the role can also, for those people, be a little bit more, when I say unbalanced, I mean um, a power imbalance, a little bit different from that of a coach, which I'll I'll come to in a little while. So they have knowledge that they they may need to impart or just refer to and sometimes that can then put them in more of a prescriptive or a sort of an interpretive role which is what we avoid as health and wellness coaches. Okay so just to recap you said that those professions don't have that explicit or that specific health knowledge and they are sharing or giving knowledge rather than prescribing and it's often about past things. I think so. And this is really often that, you know, our clients do have past issues that they want to talk about. And it's not that we can ignore the past as health and wellness coaches, but we also know that that's not what we're trained to do. We're not trained to help them resolve complicated past issues such as trauma. Absolutely. So what is it that health and wellness coaches do that's different? So in a nutshell, I mean, health and wellness coaches have knowledge too, but it's around how people can avoid getting sick in the first place. And that's the way I distinguish between it. We're very much in a preventative role. So we work with people to help them maintain and at times their mental and physical well-being, often to improve it as well. But often we can actually help them avoid having to see one of the professionals you mentioned in the first place. So what we do is we collaborate, we support. And if we're expert in anything, and that's not a term that we, we use to describe ourselves, it's in habit formation. It's in healthy habit formation. Right, that makes total sense. So we're in preventative space, we're helping them maintain or improve their habits and we're working in a collaborative and supportive way specifically around changing habits. Yeah, exactly. Mm, Okay, and so what if your friend comes up to you and says, that's not a real job, that's not a profession, you're not qualified. Like I've heard this a few times, I've heard students say or 
what are my friends going to think of me? And, you know, I can't describe what I, what I do. Have I done enough study? All of these things come up. So what would you say to that question? That's a really, really good point. And again, it's amazing how many people will do that. And they will often do it with quite a lot of um, emotion. And it's really hard as a new health and wellness coach, particularly, or in a new profession, to not feel defensive. But I always say, you know, the very first thing we do with anybody challenges is draw back on our coaching skills. And we say, first of all, so thank you for sharing your opinion. If they were to say, you know, what they thought about the health and wellness coach. So thank you for sharing your opinion. And the second, I'd revert to our other good coaching skill of asking a question. So I would, with curiosity, say, so I'm curious to know, what do you know about coaching? Now, that sometimes can be change the whole nature of the conversation because it puts them on the back foot. But it's a fair question, too. And presumably they will answer it and say, oh, well, you know, coaching is blah, blah, blah. And often things that are completely erroneous. And I would actually say, well, what we do is a little bit different from that. I understand where that comes from. You know, it might come from a sports coaching background or something you've heard or you've seen the word used. But as health and wellness coaches, our role is to support our clients in lifestyle change. And it's changes that they choose. And when you think about it, how many people are struggling with making simple changes that they know will improve their health and their energy and yet lack confidence to sometimes even begin. So this is how I try to explain to people, say, this is what we do. This is different from what else is out there. So a health and wellness coach steps in at times like that. And our job is mainly to help people believe in themselves, not show them how much we know, or to try and fix or to reassure them, but to help them work out some simple truths about their own lives. We help people explore. We help them gain awareness of what's important to them and then help them decide what they want to do about it. And this requires a very different type of training to one of the professionals that we started talking about today. I mean, you could say we work in the field of habit change and motivation, but we don't provide the motivation. We simply support people along the way. But it might be the first time someone's actually believed in their ability to change. And that belief is hugely powerful. It certainly is. And so then where do we stand with qualifications? Yeah, sure. And because it is a new industry, this is where it can get quite murky. So it's very important, I think, that we have the answer for this quite clearly. And I would admit that there are many levels of coach training, even in health and wellness coaching now. Some of the coach training that's out there isn't coaching at all. So it doesn't follow the principles we've just described. It's just people using a popular term. There's nothing we can do about that. It's happened in many industries over the years in fitness and in other things. But what's wonderful now, and this is what's very current, is that standards have been developed internationally. There's board certification in the US and closer to home, we now have a professional association, HACANSA, which represents Australia and New Zealand health and wellness coaches. And so in order to become a professional member, it's not just about paying your subscription, you actually need to meet quite stringent criteria. So to be listed as a coach with the association, you have to show that you have a level of training. Any coach who's got that credential, who has got the Akanza um, after their name there, can actually assure their clients of their professionalism and the fact that they understand their scope of practice, which I think is key. Some Australian programs have gained approval for board certification eligibility in the US because it is the highest level. And I mean, really all that does, it provides evidence of their integrity and standard of training. Coaches, I think health and wellness coaches need to inform the public or, or let's we say the naysayers of these facts 
as succinctly and clearly as they can. Yeah, I guess that's a really important point is that any credible profession has an industry, a body, an association, and it has that infrastructure around quality standards for training. So that's a really important point. And so just on the last question, Fiona, before we wrap up, we've talked a bit about psychologists and counsellors and, and that space, but how do we position ourselves as distinct from allied health professionals like dietitians and exercise physiologists? Yeah, you know, again, good, really good question. I think first to really understand the difference too. So an allied health professional is by tradition, the person who prescribes the treatment plan. I think we'd all agree with that. Whether it's an exercise program, a rehab program, an eating regime, health and wellness coaches do not prescribe those things. We share information, as we said, on safe guidelines if requested, and if we, if we feel the client would benefit from receiving it, but we do it very subtly, almost gently, not as advice or education, but as information. And giving someone information gives them a choice and they remain in the driving seat. So what a health and wellness coach will do that may be different from an allied health professional also is to find out what the client wants, not what they're told they should want how they'd like the health and wellness to be different and more important, why? So it's tapping into their internal values and motivation. And it's gonna be a stronger foundation for change than a list of things that they should do. So having said that, there is definitely a place, obviously for allied health professionals, but to make sure that people understand we are different, I think to explain those things to them is key. And, and at the moment, I think many allied health professionals are understanding that changing their conversation style to more of a coaching approach will get better connection with clients and ultimately better results. But again, health and wellness coaches work with the client to change the things that matter to them. And the client is always the one in control. I, I did warn you I would have a lot to say to those questions. <laughs> so I hope that isn't an overload, but they're ones that are very close to my heart. It's so true. And I think another important thing is that we help a client with planning. I mean, if somebody has never done something before or never done something a certain way or not for a long time, they don't have that in their mind as, as to, you know, what are they doing every day and every week? They haven't cleared the space for those habits. They actually have to find the best time of day or the best day or the best way to do those things that they've been prescribed or suggested to by an allied health professional. So as much as anything, I think our role is to help people also to figure out how best to implement it so that it can become a habit rather than this add-on thing that they might not currently have in their paradigm. A list of to-do, something to add to the to-do list. No, I agree with you, Mel, entirely. And as we know, often the things that stop them doing them are really simple things that they've never really thought about. So no one bothers to have that conversation with clients. Health and wellness coaches do. We ask them about their lives. We ask them what's got in the way in the past. We try and look forward to see if they can work out what could bring them undone or stop them from making the change. And we support them in, in setting, you know, setting things in their diary and their plan for the week ahead and, and, and the months ahead. So, yeah, I agree with you on that one. Awesome. Thank you so much, Fiona. I know people listening are going to get a lot of value out of this and hopefully might have even been writing some notes. I think part of it is also just being very clear on how you'll respond and perhaps even practicing that a little bit, some of the points that you've raised so that you have in your head a really clear position of how you will speak to someone, how you will respond rather than react in the moment and say, this is what it is, this is how it works. Practicing it in the shower or while you're driving, whatever you need to do, get really clear on your professional position. 
I do agree, Mel, and I know I've given lots of information, but hopefully some ideas too, but there's no way anyone's going to listen to everything I just said there when they're in an elevator or they're standing in the supermarket queue. Yeah. So I think I, my, my um, I guess, suggestion would be just to try and pull out the things that speak to you that are really close to your heart as a coach and work yeah. out what you feel is important to say about what you do and maybe what you don't do. But hopefully that will give some ideas. Absolutely. Thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I know you've got lots going on and you're busy. So thank you so much for being with us. You're more, more than welcome, Melanie. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. Bye for now. Bye.